Hello again, friends, and welcome back to the My Back 40 podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy. Welcome to My Back 40. And today, My Back 40 is going to take us to Uganda. Um, I reached out a couple days ago. It all happened pretty fast. And uh, I was able to connect with Miro Michael of the Masaka Cycling Club. For those of you who have been following on social, uh, I was kind of inspired to see Josh Caddo doing some uh, fundraising by riding the uh, virtually riding the cross Washington race uh, with Winston, his lovely dog, which we're, who, who we're all familiar with. And um, yeah, I was super inspired by what I was seeing there. And then, uh, you know, connected with uh, Ross Burridge and discussed kind of the project. And uh, I just really wanted to be involved and I wanted to spread the word about what's going on there in Uganda. So like I say, today I talk with Miro Michael, who's the uh, chairman of the Masaka Cycling Club. We had a great conversation. We talked about uh, his background. We talked a little bit about COVID, uh, the COVID challenge, COVID-19 challenges they're having in Africa are, are a lot different than what we're having here in, in Canada anyway, where I am. And I really wanted to hear kind of his perspective on that. Um, yeah, we talk about his background. We talk about the catalyst for starting the Masaka Cycling Club and uh, just developing cycling and promoting it in, in the culture and in their city and uh, just giving hope to youth, boys and girls and the disabled. And um, it was a beautiful conversation. Um, uh, first time I've, I've, I've interacted with him. So it was, it, was, it was wonderful. I was quite nervous because I think that uh, this is an important message to get out. And I just wanted to make sure that um, I got it out quickly. And uh, it was clear that they, uh, to everyone, that they need, they need some help. So I figured if we get this out, uh, you guys can hear kind of what they're up to and maybe find it in your heart to give a little to this great group in Uganda. Uh, before we get to the conversation, I just wanted to quickly thank some people. I want to thank Cycling 101 and Rebound Cycle for their support of the podcast. And I want to thank all of you for the great ratings and reviews and, um, uh, I've got some great emails. Uh, in fact, you know what? Maybe I'll bring bring that email up. I wanted to read it. Um, but yeah, it's been a trip, man. You guys have been uh, so supportive, and I've really been um, digging uh, that you guys are resonating with it. So if I sound a bit distracted here, it's because I'm on my computer trying to find the uh, the uh, email I was sent. It was very touching, and uh, I just wanted to read it out. Uh, I won't. Uh, yeah, it's from Colin. And uh, he says, just a quick email to say that I'm enjoying the content. I'm a teacher in Nairobi, Kenya. For the last nine years, I've spent my summers in Fernie. I get a flight every year as part of my contract. Riding bikes, running up mountains and floating, fishing the Elk River, and of course, drinking great beer. Obviously, I'm not allowed to come this year. All my bike pack, bike rafting plans are out the window. Your podcast has been great listening while I've been sitting on the trainer cranking out revolutions every morning. I have a whole year without mountains, bikes, or fishing to endure, so please keep cranking out the podcast, and maybe, hopefully, if the stars align, I'll get back to the Kootenays in 2021. At least it's sunny here. And that's from Colin. I wanted to say thank you, Colin. Uh, it was great to get that message, and it really touched me. I'm really glad that uh, you guys are finding value in the conversations that I'm having. And uh, it means a lot. It means a lot to hear from you, so I just wanted to say uh, say thank you. And uh, don't forget, there are some promos. Uh, I could uh, give you some promo codes right now if that's cool. If I sound rushed, I, I kind of am because I had a podcast lined up. And this one was important, so I really wanted to kind of get this out. But uh, yeah, so the promos I have going on right now with Cycling 101 is 
uh, you can use the discount code 101VIP20. You can save 20% off a bike fit or a consultation. You can also head on head on over to Knackbar and you can use the promo code, uh, what's the promo code, Ryan there. And I think you'll save 20% as well. And I think it's free shipping over 50 bucks. So that's pretty awesome too. Um, so yeah, head over, support those, support those, uh, businesses, um, support Ryan, uh, times are tough for everyone right now. So any little bit of support we can offer to our friends in the community would be grateful. And if you want to reach out to me, you can do so at myback40podcast at gmail.com. You can send guest suggestions, feedback, and voice memos. I love getting those. I'll put them in the show. And, uh, before we get started on the conversation, I just wanted to throw out a couple plugs. Um, so the Masaka cycling club is on Instagram at Masaka Cycling Club. Um, if you head on to Facebook, you can find them at Masaka Cycling Club, Uganda, uh, and that's Miro. You can uh, reach out to Miro on that page if you have any questions or if you uh, would like to donate to this um, to his cause. On YouTube, you could search for The Hidden Athlete Podcast with Ross Burridge. He's doing a fantastic job um, promoting the the uh, Masaka Cycling Club and has been uh, really heavily involved. I would encourage you to go over and look at the videos. I kind of mentioned the video um, in the uh, podcast. It was very touching to see uh, to see Kato uh, Paul, who's the team captain, just, just the interaction between Ross and Kato is just so touching, man, like just the brotherly love there. And uh, Ross is doing some pretty amazing things over there. So definitely uh, subscribe to the Hidden Athlete podcast. Uh, follow him on all social media platforms. Uh, he's a good guy and he's doing great stuff. So that's uh, YouTube. You can find his uh, channel, The Hidden Athlete Project. Uh, you can head on over to uh, thehiddenathlete.com.au and you can find the donation page there. So don't hesitate to go and figure out what it's all about because uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, I hope I, I fit all the plugs in. Um, and I think it's uh, it's up to us to spread the love about what's going on in this project. So Without further delay, I bring you Miro Michael. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Kind of a kind of a crazy wake up. We slept in a little bit, so I got up and kids ran into the bed about 20 minutes after they usually <laughs> wake up, and it was like, "Whoa, it's like 20 after seven. I gotta make pancakes, <laughs> and I gotta." Go. <laughs> so yeah, it was a and bit of. And they're, they're on your neck, and they need results. So yeah. there's no way to dodge them out you know no, that's right that's right how, <laughs> how about you how's your evening so it's uh what time is it it's five o'clock there yeah it's five o'clock in uganda awesome well um it i was very nervous about uh contacting mm. you because um it's you know as i delved into more about your project i was like wow this is this is like this is big stuff this is big important stuff so like I said in my email to you, I was nervous because I really wanted to make sure that we, one, we covered all the topics that you wanted to talk about and um, mm -hmm. also uh, just represent the club well. So I just want to make sure that we, uh, you know, we stay on track with our convo and, and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and yeah, cover all the topics. So it's very exciting, but I think uh, maybe first, and I, I haven't really been talking too much about the, uh, the COVID-19 thing lately on some of my my more recent podcasts because it's kind of mm. getting it's kind of getting old but i'm very mm. very mm. curious about um about what the situation's like in in your your town in, in uganda. uganda yeah mm. so can you mm. tell us kind of uh, the struggles you're having there mm. okay thank you very much my name is miro michael Miro is spelled as m-i-i-r-o so 
I'm based in a small town of Sasa, uh, which is in Masaka district. Masaka is on the southern side as you're going to Rwanda. So that's the road that we, we pick up. So that's where we are, and then we're in a trading center. So we've just also got um, a new city. It's called uh, Masaka City. So, <laughs> so maybe it is starting in 2021. So people have mixed feelings about getting a city and the rest. But um, those are the new developments that we are having. Um, COVID in Uganda, uh, it's a, it has been really um, a menace to us, I have to say. For example, Masaka is in the border that goes to Rwanda at the same time the border that goes to Tanzania. It's quite far from each other, but this is the road that the trucks have to use to go through up to Kampala or to go back to Tanzania or to go back to Rwanda. So it has caused a lot of panic among people and more still is that because we're in total lockdown for the last three months since March. So people are not freely and we're not used to this kind of in-house because mm. our weather is 24-7. So we are always out. So we are not indoors. So it is so, so surprising. It's a new culture that people cannot adopt. So you're not allowed to visit a friend, you're not allowed to move out, you don't have transport, you can't go to where you want. So it has really caused a lot. Um, secondly, is that it has been approached as a medical issue. So for me, I have, I'm a social worker by profession, and uh, I deal with people. So it has been too much a medical issue, and so everything is medicalized which is also scaring people. At times we need positive images, positive information to these people that can encourage them to move on their life and not like it is, you're going to die. You're going to mm. die if you don't do ABC. You're going to die. You're going to die. Mm. People fear death. So so if you keep on telling, if you, you don't stay in your house, you'll die. If you move out in the community, you'll die. Mm. If you do ABCD, you'll die. So that kind of message that is so scary has really put people off and they're really very, very scared. Um, so that is one. Two is that all no activities allowed, especially in terms of that brings people together. Even burial is not allowed. Even wedding is not allowed. Even going to the bar. So it is really very, 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 very difficult for people really to cope up. Uh, what still is that you cannot access, because most of us, including myself, I don't have my own car, so I use my wheelchair, but you, you cannot ride a wheelchair far. You cannot use a motorcycle. We call them border uh, borders here. It's the common name. So you get um, a, a motorcycle. They carry you at the back. So you cannot use it. You cannot use a car. You cannot. So you cannot reach anywhere that you really want. So my boys have been using a... Uh, the bikes to move around. But uh, like I told you that uh, I'm a social worker by profession, I went to the the COVID response team in the district and asked them, I want to use my boys to raise awareness. I have a cycling club. I want to use them to, to raise awareness, to tell people the importance of wearing masks, the importance of in a social model kind of. Uh, but they didn't allow us. They said, I used stay home. This is very dangerous. You will die. So our community project that needs to, uh, to train uh, people 
it, it didn't work out. So that is the situation now at the moment in Uganda. That's very challenging. Like, um, mm. you know, uh, it's I wanted to ask because the the uh, the situation we've had here is kind of the same. I felt like there's a lot of uh, a lot of um, in some places building fear around it. Um, mm. I think in in my province in Canada, British Columbia, um, they've taken a, a really uh, interesting approach where it's just stay calm and, you know, mm. just stay away from each other. Um, mm. you know, the, the province has closed down some, pro, uh, some campgrounds, like no camping. And, and in fact, now mm. I heard that, um, uh, they're going to, they're trying to, uh, eliminate, um, trans border travel. So basically anyone mm. that has Alberta, the province of Alberta ID, they, they can't camp in BC. So it's, it's just kind mm. of, we could still get outside. Like I've been still getting out and riding in the mountains. Um, mm. um, so the bush is still open. And, um, mm. but I've, I've heard that other countries obviously, um, have taken, there's so many different, there's a spectrum of approaches that people are taking. It's either like full on lockdown or, or like mm. Sweden mm. is just kind of like, well, you know, we'll protect our elderly and we'll just ride it mm. out. And, mm. and it's so mm. new for everyone. We're just trying to figure out mm. what to do. Right. Mm. But it must be very hard in a, in a developing country. And, yeah. uh, and especially your population density kind of around in Masaka is what's the population yeah the population is um, um around uh 20 to 25 20 to 35000 people right so it's not really very big yeah mm-hmm. but it's unfortunate especially for mental health people trapped inside and they can't get out and, <laughs> oh my gosh so hope, hopefully this is good talking to someone across on the other side of the marble and you can <laughs> connect with other people like Ross and, and yeah. people of yeah. your team. Well, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So tell me about, uh, tell me about Miro Michael. So what's, what's your background? Like, what was it like growing mm. up in, in Uganda? Mm. Okay. So Miro Michael, um, was born on 23rd December, 1977. So around, um, 1979, when I was two years or two and some few months, I got polio. So when I got polio, so my lower limbs couldn't function. So I cannot stand and support by myself. So I'm confined in a wheelchair. So most of the time um, I'm in a wheelchair. So we have a wheelchair and then I also have, a, um, we call it a tricycle. So it has one wheel in front and then two wheels backwards. So uh, that's what I, I, I use most of the time. So I started my school late because where my, the primary school where it was, it was far. And um, I was also living with a, a single mom. So my uh, my father had passed on also. So when I was one and a half years around that time. So so my mom continued uh, to take care of me and uh, we are four in the family. So, so when I completed my primary, actually I got my first wheelchair when I was in form five. And that is grade five, I think, um, in Canada. So we have, um, in Uganda, we have classes that run, we have a kindergarten for three years, and then we have also primary that runs from primary one up to primary seven. So when you complete primary seven, that's when you go to high school. Okay. So I, I, I got my, my first wheelchair when I was in form five. So 
all along I was crawling down to school and it was worse, especially if it, it rained. So, but it, didn't, it had to build my confidence and to be strong and to be myself. So I, I did high school and um, I majored in history, uh, religious education and geography. Uh, then eventually I made it to the university. So while at the university, I did a bachelor's degree in adult and community education. Uh, it has the elements of function adult literacy and then the community environment itself. So we think if you're educated, you're able to analyze your community to make it to develop by yourself. So that is the principle of that. And I, I was at the Makere University, one of the most famous universities in Uganda. and. And I was on government, so the government paid for me. I did very well in my high school, and I qualified for the scholarship for the government. Uh, one of the, the three years when I was at the university, one of the things that um, keeps a smile on my face, and that's why I'm smiling when I'm talking about it, is that I was the first uh, person with disability to contest for the guild president to be the student's president in Uganda. That is one of the most high profile in high school. It is very competitive because the government comes in. It's because to build it, it's like a bed of leaders to develop and serve in other uh, communities, and the population is very big. Um, so I was the first person with ability to contest for that race. Unfortunately, I lost, so I didn't win the race. <laughs> where we were 13 and I was number three in the race. Uh, but I was very excited uh, because even at the university, we still have people not believing that persons with ability are useful. So there's still that social stigma, um, social unbelief, social untrust, quite a lot. Uh, even you may think at the university, people are enlightened, they're exposed, but it wasn't. So. Yeah, it is, it's, it's still a very big challenge here. So when I came out of the university, uh, I started teaching in high school, especially uh, history and others. Then eventually um, I started doing community work. And then, uh, since then, uh, I've been working with the disability community, uh, changing people with disability themselves to first believe in themselves and change their own thinking because the society has oppressed them and then they have also gone with what the society thinks. So my role is that if I meet them, if I mentor them, I first tell them that disability is one thing and yourself is another and they will never be the same. So if you, you allow your disability to take over who you are, then you've lost the game. So first believe who you are, what do you want, where do you want to go, what are your dreams, what are your aspirations. So let the disability come as a secondary. And I also tell them that if you're looking for a job, never front disability. Because the guy who is hiring is not hiring disability, he's hiring a skilled person. Mm -hmm. so, so if you front yourself with a disability, it is a knockout. You've lost the game. So first build who you are, tell them who you are, what you believe in. Uh, so that is what I do. So I work with the parents of uh, children who have a disability because they have so many questions and they don't have answers. But I also work with persons with disability themselves 
And then I also work with the local leaders to see how they can involve people with disability in a number of things. But I also work with uh, the aging population, um, uh, people who are elderly. It's also facing quite a number of challenge because of the urban drift. So they are left alone. So the young ones are shifting to the city. So when they produce, they bring back the children in the village. <laughs> so these are elderly women and men. They are no longer working. They don't have a social security fund because they didn't work for the government. Mm. So they are surviving on the mercy of the community, on the mercy of um, what is happening. So uh, I have an approach that I use with these elderly people called SALT. So it is stimulation, analysis, learning, and transfer. So when I visit this elder person, I usually want to hear the story that happened during his or her youthful days. What is so proud about it? Was he singing in the church? Was he a cyclist? Was he um, a builder? What is that that she feels really owning to herself? And when she speaks out of those stories, so she has somebody to talk to because everyone is listening about the negative, negative, and the complaint, he's sick, he's what. But that's where we want to bring back the smile, his youthful age. So also when we bring them together, we allow them to dance, to tell stories. Um, we have a program that looks at intergenerational gap where we bring the young ones to listen to the stories of the elderly. So that is basically who I am and that's what I do. So I'm a fan of sports and that is my hobby. Uh, so I love football uh, very much. In Uganda, we call it football. I think in America, you call it uh, soccer, That's something right. like this. I was I thinking think. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you call it because if I say football, it's quite different. It's like rugby. So even here in my local community at Saza, um, I started up a club uh, called um, a Football Club. It didn't survive because I didn't have the money. So, <laughs> but it, it was playing uh, locally here. And then I also have now the massacre cycling. So I used to run two clubs at the same time. Uh, wow, <laughs> and I, so I used to have, uh, yeah, so every weekend I used, I just wanted to, to see this youth really coming together just to enjoy and feel themselves. So basically that is one thing that I had is when you think I'm stupid. When you haven't had me, you don't know who I am. So you look at me and my disability, and then you think, that guy is stupid. So that's where I run nuts, and um, I don't agree with, and that's usually I have to, to take time to explain to somebody who describes me as somebody stupid. Or if even if I hear somebody calling another person that that guy is stupid, I feel like, mm, mm. I have the power just to strongly and then say, you don't know what that person is. You can't call him or her a stupid. So that is um, things that um, that puts me off, but the rest, yeah. Well, that's really honorable work. And those are challenges I think that a lot of people all over the world face um, mm -hmm. who, who might not have the same developing country challenges as, as you have. Um, but um, yeah, it's trying to reverse that thinking it's, mm -hmm. it's challenging. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think it'll get, I mean, maybe it's generational as well. I think as, as generations, uh, you know, learn and, and as those lessons are passed down to their kids and their mm -hmm. kids and their kids, I think mm -hmm. that we'll see, mm -hmm. we'll see more respect given 
to to the to the yeah. disabled and uh that's a really honorable work that's that's awesome and then how did that lead into so you had the uh, the the football team um and then how did that lead into um uh, starting the Masaka Cycling Club, like cycling you said, club, you you yeah. saw you saw some um, athletic talent, and mm. and that's is was that the catalyst of it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, when I was, um, I used to see these young boys struggling to to compete in uh, races, and then I also had my tricycle. So I feel like what brings these people together? Well, what brings their voice together that they can't listen? And who is there to guide them and then do ABCD? Because uh, these boys were struggling to buy their own bikes to ride. Uh, and then another part that I really hated is that people used, used to organize these uh, races. And then they say, oh, we shall give you gifts. Um, prizes at the end of the race and they're not giving and these boys have nowhere to go um, so they've gone to Kampala to rest they have nowhere to sleep they have nothing to eat um, the, even reaching is a tug of war so if the race is on Sunday they have to move on Friday riding to have a rest uh, on Saturday then they ride on Sunday so when I was hearing these stories I really felt like okay this is unfair. This is unfair. It cannot promote this game. And then also, I was also looking at that. How do I entice youth with disability to love themselves, to use the wheelchairs, to use the tricycles, to to be themselves and to come out of the box? Mm. So that's why we came up uh, with the idea of forming up this club. And I formed it as a community best club and we were registered with the district as a community club because I combined two approaches. I'm combining the talent of riding and the community development because that is my specialization. So when these boys are not riding, can they bring back to the community? Can they do a community work? Can they not engage in drugs and maybe those evil things? Because if they want to we want the club to be a reflection of them. So we usually sit with them, we counsel them because they are young, they have quite a lot that is happening in their mind. So how to groom them and then to keep them busy and then they contribute to the community, maybe in terms of the climate, cleaning, sanitation, issues to go to other schools, to talk to the young ones, to love education, to love cycling. So that is what we, those are the, two things that made me come up with this club. Yeah. It's, it's so important to keep youth focused on something, you know, whether, it, whether it's, you know, their studies or, or some sort of physical activity just to keep them, keep kids out of trouble. Like when, when I grew up, it was skateboarding. I skateboarded all the time and I was, mm. pretty, I was pretty straight edge kid. I didn't get into trouble cause I would just rather be, mm. I'd rather be skateboarding with my buddies. Right. Mm -hmm, and it's, mm -hmm, I think it's, mm -hmm. it's important that people and kids especially have, some sort of outlet. I always call it getting your wiggles out, right? If you can't get, mm. if you can't get your wiggles out, then that energy is going to be manifested in, into me. Exactly. Yeah, into a negative direction. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm. So who was, who was the first athlete you saw and you were like, I need to get that person on a bike. So the first, yeah, the first uh, cyclist I saw is now currently our coach. 
So it's called Bukenya, Salongo Bukenya. So uh, he's our coach and uh, he, he's mentoring our boys. So he was the first person that we, we identified and I also talked to him if he could identify more other cyclists who are interested to come here as a group. We said, I'll give my brains my time to mentor you and then to make sure you continue winning. Uh, so he accepted. And the second one was, there's a young man called Kalema, Joseph. Joseph is also now our um, coach for the young ones and the girls. So these are the first two guys that uh, I met. I talked to them. They bought the idea. They liked it. And they said, okay, for us, we don't know what happens in managing. So <laughs> all we know is to get our bikes and ride. That's what we, we, we know. So I told them that I want to turn this game of cycling to be professional. Mm. We want to go beyond here. We want to go and compete in other countries. But when I was talking this, I didn't have the money. So <laughs> I said, I have my brains. Well, I, if, if I organize you well, I can be where I want to be. I, I can't see where these boys want to be. So these are the two guys. So the number is increasing. And these days, we're encouraging more between the age of 10 and the age of 25. Basically, these are the targets now we have. But even if you're 30 and you're above, no problem, because we usually organize domestic races around for fun, but also for practice, but also to encourage people to love cycling. Uh, for, for your own information, in Masaka, cycling is not very popular. Uh, and uh, we're the, the first club for so long, so there's no any other club uh, that combines around eight districts. So around eight districts that, so we have Masaka, we have Kalungu, we have Bukoman Simbi, we have Sembabule, we have Rakai, we have Chotela, and then also have um, uh, Masaka itself. So we have eight districts. And uh, so these boys usually come when they hear us organizing these races, we, we call them. But also in these districts, for example, this year before the Colonna camp, we had organized a race in Zimbabwe. We wanted to identify young girls and boys who could come and then join the club. Um, so that is what we we do, and that's uh, what we're doing. And um, they liked it. They encouraged other people to join us. So I also now, uh, we started with a, a committee, so I had to select other committee members. And on that committee, uh, we have a representative of the cyclist on our committee. So he's called, uh, he's the captain, so he comes directly so that the views of the cyclist are had in the committee. So we bring him on. Now currently, uh, at first was Joseph. Joseph Kalima was a representative of the of the cyclist on the club. So when we, we raised his bar to be the coach, so we had to choose Kato to come and be part of uh, the team. So we have also a female representative currently. So we have a, a lady. Uh, she loves sports. She loves cycling so much. So she's on and she's learning. So being on the committee is our first time, but uh, she has ideas that she's bringing on to encourage cycling. So now the rest are men. So we also have one youth 
or he's the secretary. So much as he's not a cyclist, but because he's interested and he's representing the youth ideas, so he's also on our committee and he's the secretary of our club. So that is how the committee, so I don't run it. And uh, when we got the support uh, of Ross, so we we're also able to hire um, an administrator. So this one supports the, the club uh, to gather all the information about the cyclists, to follow up where they are, what they're doing, to follow up our scholarship project that we have. Uh, the scholarship project is like, uh, because most of these young ones or these cyclists don't have a permanent job, some are still going to school or some are practicing agriculture. So they don't have a daily income that supports them. So at times we wanted to have their mind focused. So we usually give them Ugandan shillings, 50,000. I don't know how much that could be in in dollars. That could be like, maybe like uh, 10 or 20. So what we do is that we give them um, 50,000 every month as a token of appreciation to make them focus. So they do, it is a one-year contract, depending on their seriousness in training, uh, their participation in community work, uh, and then also their behavior, okay? So we have quite a number of criteria that we follow, and we always remind them why they're on this scholarship. So we give them this money to keep them busy, to keep them move on with life, but also to be committed to, to the club. Uh, the administrator also follows up all the races that we want to participate both in Massacre that we're organizing, but even at the national level and even outside Uganda. Uh, so this club also, as you're aware, we, we have an, um, a national Uganda cycling association in Uganda, but uh, one of the things also that inspired me was that um, it was not organized. And uh, all the things were ending in Kampala. And there was there's no accountability. And the way they were using money. So if when we started questioning how they use money, the criteria of selecting the cyclist, they didn't want to disclose that. And to us, we felt like that is unfair. It is killing the, the game of cycling in Uganda. So. Cyclists are not in Kampala only. They, they are not a family group. That, uh, they are there. And uh, we are still pulling horns on that because I tell them the fact that cycling needs to move out of Kampala. We have young ones who are interested and they are into it. So this administrator keeps all the assets, the record of the assets of the bikes we have, uh, who takes it was to bring it back because now what we do is that we give the cyclists these bikes especially when we have a rest so they have a week to practice and then after they register the bike back so they don't take them so nobody owns them it is any cyclist that we see is good and can compete so we have an administrator who helps us run the day-to-day -day work when we're not around but the committee does the monitoring does the planning does the overseer of seeing the club moving. That's amazing. And, you know, getting everyone engaged like that, I think also represents, um, it just, it just, just represents the club well to the community. And I think it just, it'll help the community kind of get on board with that. Um, yeah. I, what are some of the challenges with getting girls on the team? 
I had kind of uh, I watched a couple of the videos that you and Ross had done together, and mm-hmm. and uh, I had heard that there are um, unique challenges for getting girls involved mm-hmm. in cycling. Can you talk about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we are still finding um, a challenge to entice this game uh, among the girls, simply because the region where we have uh, we are we have a lot of uh, cultural bias where one they believe that uh, when a girl, when is young and rides a bicycle, so she will lose her virginity. Mm-hmm. So they feel like they don't want to see their girls riding. So that is really a big challenge. Two is that in the homes where these girls are growing up, the bicycle belongs to the father. So <laughs> no, a father and the boy. So, because the boy will go and fetch water using a bicycle. So, the girl is supposed to be working at home and is not supposed to use a bicycle. So, that is a very big challenge. So, mm-hmm. the bicycle is there and the girl is not allowed to use it. Three is that the girls still also have low self-esteem because of the society that they've lived in. They don't believe that they can ride bicycles, they can participate in these bicycles. So, in this cycling as a sport. So it is um, a big challenge. The fourth challenge is that even the girls at times are not allowed to leave home. So most of the time they are confined at home. So they don't they don't easily allow them to move out into the community. So this cultural background is associated to cycling to make this um, an issue to, to many. And um, so it also amazes people when they see a girl riding a bicycle. So they just get surprised and then say, who is this one? I think this is not from our own, you know? So they have all this. So those are some of the challenges that we are having. And um, for maybe five, the fifth one is that um, the fact that the families don't buy them bicycles, even the club doesn't have bicycles that they can give out to these girls if somebody comes up and say, I'm interested. Mm-hmm. So the bicycles that we have are basically for the club and we, we, we give them to practice on them and then also to participate in big races because they're good bicycles, they're quality. But they're bicycles that needs to be started on for all the beginners. In Uganda, one bicycle is around one million and that could be like... Um, $400, I think. That's pretty steep. Yeah, or oh, $300, $300. To us, one million Ugandan shillings is quite a lot of money for somebody to buy a bike. So we need more of these bike uh, bikes that are for the beginners that can be there. And if a girl comes up and says, I'm interested, because most of these boys have saved for long to buy these bicycles that they are using. So... They take years saving, saving, saving until they buy. And actually, even they don't buy a, a good second bicycle. So they have also to buy, like, could say, like, fourth, second, oh, fourth I understand, class. Fourth right. Fourth. That is even too old for, for riding. But they buy it, and then they, they work on it, and then they can start on that. So those are some of the challenges that the girls are facing to really love of cycling. And they... So that's why we also got an administrator who is a female mm. to attract them because probably this girl could find it easier talking to, to the administrator or 
to Florence, who is our uh, committee member. So those are some of the issues that we are facing with the girls. So there is one side for the girls, but also for the club as well. Right, and those are some, those are cultural um, lenses are hard to change, right? Like that's that's a big challenge. So it's so, it's so good that you have a woman on your committee mm -hmm. to, to help everyone navigate kind of that. Um, so bikes that you've been getting bikes, right? How many bikes do you have in your club right now? Didn't you, did you get, um, did you receive like a bunch of really good quality, high quality equipment recently? Yeah, we, we have to say that, um, um, Rose has been really very, very, very supportive. He has been really so good. Um, so he has, um, he has brought us quality bikes really good good bike uh and when we participated in a in a in kenya recently uh we went as new and then we we got the best all our four boys who participated where we had one in the second race another one the fourth another one the ninth and the 16th awesome. and these were 180 people who participated in the kenyan race and it was our first so the bikes are really good and um, so our coach is training these boys to learn how to use them because even we have um, uh, the mountains, we have the rest, and then we also have the timer, uh, which is also new to them. So they're learning how to use them. So currently we have um, seven bikes, but uh, we are getting more donations. Uh, Rose is more mobilizing more bikes to come on board. So the only problem is um, bringing them. So he usually whenever he's coming, he comes with one bike at a go, uh, slurry by slurry. Yeah. That's fantastic. It must be, it must blow the riders' minds to get on, you know, to go from a fourth hand it, bike to get on a, a modern. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You'll see them even how they're excited, how they work hard to see that they can't sit on that one. Uh, you see them, um, the energy that they put in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice yeah, that there's another thing. No, please go ahead. Uh, sorry. No, sorry. Okay. Another thing is that, um, one of the rules of the club is that no boy, if he's a club member participates in any race that we are not aware of, you know, we have these community races that come and then say, Oh, Michael, can you ride? Yes. Come and participate. We have a race tomorrow. Okay, so because of the past history, so now we tell the boys, no, what we do is that unless we get a communication and as a committee, we confirm that it's worth a participating, we participate. So you don't just go like a freelancer. So much as we haven't signed you and uh, we don't have a contract with you, or we don't have anything, but we feel like to promote professionalism in cycling, we have to have the rules in place. So the same applies to these bikes that we have. They're all good. And we, the coach selects people who will participate in the race that we are going to go in and it distributes these bikes out. But uh, we have... Um, two bicycles that we reserved for the girls. We have two girls now who are riding. So awesome. we have, yeah, so for them, they don't compete. So their bikes are already there. So when they want to race, the bikes are there. But the rest, they have to compete for those bikes to allow them to show that they're interested and they love what they're doing. Given the, going back to the, the culture, cultural stigma of girls riding bikes, 
is is there mm-hmm. even um a, a woman's category in these races that they can participate in yeah. or do they just participate yeah. in the general classification there are okay okay there there um we we were supposed to organize on 8th of march this year to organize a women race oh, cool. bicycles basically for them but also on our calendar we have at least um races that are specifically meant for these girls to race and that is the project that we want to start on the bank on so we want to to go to the communities we want to go to schools to entice these girls to love cycling uh, because now uh, football has picked up in these schools and girls are playing football so so now we want also to bring cycling in this school. So first of all, we want to begin with all uh, primary schools that are uh, around Saza and some high schools. But uh, we want to begin that if we have bikes that um, are easier for them, if they say, okay, I want to ride and we are able to give. So we don't want to call them when we don't have these bikes. Mm-hmm. So that's what we, we, we want to embark on and to organize more of these races for the girls so that the community starts appreciating and uh, knowing that they can reach very far, you know. And uh, so we want also to see that if there is an international race that is going to happen, so to front this girl to go and participate in this race, no matter what position. And we feel that will be an advocacy point of view when this girl returns. So we want to use the media, we want to use everywhere to front this girl in cycling. That's amazing. Just um, building them up and, and giving them, basically laying out the pathway for them to become successful, I think is so important mm-hmm. because um, without mm-hmm. that, you know, they, would, they wouldn't be able to succeed. And, and exactly. ha- having good equipment and having prop- properly fitting equipment is super important. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. what are the, like, obviously, bikes aside, what are some of the other financial challenges you face? Like when, when I think about, you know, where you are and, and then you're getting these, you know, these pretty high-end bikes. Um, mm. ma- maintenance on that equipment can be quite expensive, especially if these boys mm. are putting the miles on, right? Like drivetrains and mm. chains. And, mm. and uh, um, but aside from, from that, what are the other financial challenges that your club faces? Um, actually, uh, we, we've been struggling mm. <laughs> to survive. Uh, since uh, we registered this club, so... We used to meet as a club and then because the only money we have we've been getting is that uh, we get it from the members. So the members contribute and then they also contribute time. So that's what we've been surviving. So if we're organizing a race, we have to go and talk to people and say, oh, we're organizing. Please help the club, help the club, help the boys buy water, buy this. So that's uh, how we've been surviving. So we've been struggling quite a lot in terms of uh finance and that's why we say that uh, as a club we cannot raise one million to buy one bike at the moment because all the money we get we feel like it has to facilitate these boys who are around if maybe the bike has broken down and then the club can make up that money so but um much as we we now for example we've got somebody who is helping us to raise money uh that is rose and uh, we we now have a clubhouse. So, but it also has its challenges because you know if they sub, they support they 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 stop 
paying for us rent, then it will be <laughs> difficult to maintain. Mm -hmm. But um, yet this club, the clubhouse has really changed cycling totally in, in Masaka. So the boys know where to meet. And even now the community know where our clubhouse is. So the second aspect is the, the issue to do with maintaining these boys. For example, we give them 50,000, it's little money, mm. but how do we top on them so that we can? And uh, currently we have only nine people that are on scholarship. And currently we have over 20 cyclists with us. So that's a big number mm -hmm. and they're not on scholarship uh, of this. So that is also another financial challenge. So we don't want to show as if we are uh, helping only others because they're excelling and they're best. So the rest of you, you're not really good enough, which we don't want, you know. So that's also another challenge, okay. So another issue has to 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 be with how do we get sponsors to the club, especially local sponsors, because people are not interested. Big companies and others haven't invested much in um, in cycling as, as a game. So we don't give we don't get any grant from the government, even at the district, we don't get any grant. So that's really another big challenge. It's it's not a profit making uh, body it is just um, for 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 cycling to as a game. So that is really another big challenge in terms of finances. So the money that we raise as the committee is still very small, and it cannot uh, help us continue uh, really big. And um, as a club, we have big dreams, and we don't have the money to 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 to, to really achieve these dreams. For example, we want to see these boys competing maybe in toward France or those big, big mm. races or Olympics, you know, to see them there. But they need a lot of training. They need a lot of mentorship. They need a lot of uh, uh, mindset building so that they are focused and then to see this dream coming. So we haven't got people who could help, like coaches, like mentors who could come up. We haven't got connections that can lead us to more uh, people, inlets out to, to make this uh, a big dream out. Because we don't want to end here. We want them to go to Rwanda, to South Africa, because now South Africa is really um, a big cycling uh, place. It's really very good. I'm following their calendar, their work. It's really very good. I admire what they do in South Africa. So even in Kenya, Kenya is also a little bit more advanced compared to Uganda in terms of cycling. So those are big dreams. We want to build our own um, clubhouse because we know if we, we don't rent and the clubhouse is here, the boys can come anytime. Uh, our bikes are safe where we keep them. You know what I mean? So yeah, those are dreams. Yeah. So, you know, if you have a clubhouse, everyone can talk about it, can know where this is. And then, you know, um, even maintaining our calendar that we, we set up because we have a calendar that we want to, 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 to work on each year. But at times we run out of the sponsors to sponsor these uh, races out uh, in a club. Especially Massacre District is a small, um, where we are, it's a small place. Uh, we don't have factories, we don't have big organizations. So most of them are based in Kampala. And uh, 
we don't have connections as yet really entice them and coming up. Uh, and lastly is that um, the media hasn't uh, picked up cycle. So I'm using my LinkedIn account. I'm using my uh, Facebook page account. I'm using my Twitter page to promote cycling. So other people co could really start developing interest into it. Because currently, very few people, they want to report about boxing. They want to report about football. Mm. <laughs> they want to report about, actually, car races. In Uganda, car races is a major event. So all the media covers that. When it comes to cycling, everyone looks aside. So they feel like it's not selling in their newspaper. So in Uganda, we don't have even a newspaper, maybe like a monthly newspaper that has a pullout on cycling, you know? that somebody who is interested to read and then know which organizations are there, which companies are there. So these are all the challenges that uh, we are having. And because people don't know it, so it is very hard to, to find money to, to, to support the cause. Yeah. Um, I think too, because you're just getting started, it's, it's good to have faith in, in that it'll grow organically. It might, it might not happen quickly, but it could it mm. could happen. I mean, it could still happen, right? You're you're just kind of, you know, you're going to build inertia over time. Like you've you've already built this this this. You know, you've got a committee and you've got Ross, and um, mm. you know that's one thing that called to me is I wanted to get involved because you know I've got a few listeners and and you know mm. I, I can get the message out. So um, I th I think that uh, hopefully if if people listen to this, you'll be on get on another podcast and we just start yep. spreading the word about kind of what you're doing. Cause it's, it's pretty fantastic. It really touched me actually. I, you know, when I, when I reached out to you on Facebook, it was after mm -hmm. I saw um, Josh Cato kind of doing his, uh, mm -hmm. his fundraising mm -hmm. ride. And, and then I started yeah. looking at you and I was just like, you know, Josh, Josh is busy doing the ride. So I'm going to reach out to, to the Masaka cycling club and just see what's up. And then, and then uh, mm -hmm. I didn't really realize what I had kind of uh, the, the door I've stepped through that how, mm, how important mm. the work is. So I, mm -hmm. I'm, it's such a pleasure to, to talk to you about this stuff. Um, um, maybe to, 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 to add on that line, I want to, to really thank Rose for the trust that he has given to us. He's, he's amazing. He's a, he's a great man. He's, um, he's giving us ideas. He's fundraising for us. He's giving us the way through that we, we want to go. I'm really so proud of him. And um, he's doing a lot of, backdoor work that we we as as a club we couldn't reach any further and i want also to to, to thank josh Kato for really the great work he has he's spreading massacre cycling um i was reading his article that he published recently about frolens frolens is also a young girl who is interested in cycling and uh, so he's also coming from the family of, of salong bukenya who is also our coach now so the stories are really inspiring, and um, we're really so proud. And uh, we also want to say thank you to everyone that we don't know that is supporting us um, to see us reach fun. Thank you for picking up this interest as well, and I know it will reach out more. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I, I want to thank Ross, too, because, again, like I said, I, di I didn't really know what I was stepping into. And then mm. I, I reached out to Ross, and I said, hey, I've, you know, I've, I've uh, connected with you and, and he was just like mm. here and he just gave me all these resources and mm. you know, he wrote mm. this great email to kind of fill me in on what you're, it, it basically provided me with the framework for mm. a conversation mm. today. So I want to thank him as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I, I told him in an email, but I, there was that video of him sitting with, uh, it's Kato. 
uh, Kato mm. Paul. And um, I, yeah. the one thing I'm, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Sorry, but to see the to see the smile on that guy's face, on Kato's mm. face, and and the um, the uh, brotherly love I could feel between Kato and and Ross really touched mm. me. Really, really touched mm. my heart. And um, yeah, so that's kind of when I knew that this was going to be a pretty big deal. So I just to, to see all these kids riding bikes and um, and happy and full of joy yeah brings yeah. me joy as well and I, I really wanted to get involved yeah. in that so yeah i want to thank ross as well and and um yeah look at me look at me i'm, I'm cracking up here man yeah <laughs> i think it's great i just think it's fantastic because yeah. especially in, yeah. in developing countries i think it's important that mm. that especially mm. youth have have uh have some direction right just something to look yeah. forward yeah. to and, and that's great so obviously mm. i'm the one kind of tearing up here but this this must give you tons of meaning. This must be so meaningful for you, especially as a social worker. Yeah, I was I was so I was so excited when I had and um, I had to, to talk to Ross and said, oh, guess what? This is this is a life opportunity that has come. I'm I'm really so excited. I look forward really to to to, to chat her out. So I re- I was really so excited, and um, I felt so good. Thank you for considering us. Um, do you have a, a a particular story of, of an athlete that you've seen um, immense positive growth in since you started the club? Um, I have to say that I'm I'm so proud of these two the two twins Owaswa and Kato uh, that I've I've really um, grown up. Um, Steve, I, I want to tell you that uh, nothing really inspires me to see these boys waking up in the morning, doing a great work. In the evening, they go back to 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 the club. I feel so good, and um, I've seen them grow to really to the level of professionalism. I feel good that when they speak out, when they're in the rest that were from massacre. Our club really is um, is really coming up uh, very loud. So the two boys we've seen them coming, but we're also now seeing young ones coming up, and um, it's a story really to tell to see these young boys coming up um, to love what they are doing. So Kato and Waswa are inspiration to our club, and uh, there's also another one. We have another Kato. We call him Kato Koba. This is a guy who is looking at these two young ones as also a role model. Mm. And uh, so they're also riding up to him. The other boy that we're really proud that we've built from nowhere to, to up to now is Peter. Peter has put in more effort and he feels like he's better than Waswan Kato. So every time and when they went, wherever we go, he's not looking at... Um, other races because he doesn't know them. So for him, he knows that Waswa and Kato are the best. So I need to to win them in this race. So we had one in Kampala recently, and uh, they matched the winner. So the three boys that participated all got the first, the second, and the third. Because when they were riding, it's like they were competing with each other, and there was that pressure among themselves. And the rest were just chasing like us. So we feel really so proud. And um, another inspiration that comes to me as 
Miro, who started up this, is when we're in the room together in our clubhouse, you hear them talk with passion. You hear them to see that the club is contributing something to them. Because now um, one of the things is that we set their mind clear. So we give them transport when there is a rest that is happening outside Masaka. So we give them um, um, a, um, transport a day earlier. So if it is in Kampala, so they have to sleep in Kampala so that they wake up fresh in the morning to compete. So we give them accommodation. We give them meals, okay? And they also put on our T-shirt, the Masaka Cycling Club jersey. So, yeah, so that is where we we feel like um, we are inspired. And uh, one thing that um, we, we, we promote is that we want them to be as a family. Mm. So when they're training, whatever they do, they do it as a family. So we say, you are the club. Miro will stay here. When you go to Kenya, you are representing the club. They don't know you. They know the club. So you leave the legacy of your name and your club. And then you, you see them, even if they're going to Kampala, even if they're going in Jinja, okay? They go with two things. They're going with their name and they're going with the club. And to me, I feel happy. So you hear them call you and say, oh, chair, this is how far we are living. So this is how we've reached. And you hear them giving you updates. They take photos and say, oh, our chairman, this is what we are doing now. And I feel like, okay, now they own this club. It is part of their life now. And we want to see them grow up. Actually, the last thing that um, we had also in plan was to, to build a statue of Waswa, uh, of Salong of Kenya, because he inspired me to, to, to set up this club to be strong and to fight, and he's still inspiring us to, 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 to coach these young ones. So I wanted to, to make a mom, a mom, how do you call it? A mom, monument? Oh, oh. A monument. Yes, a monument. Yeah. Of him awesome. in Saza where we are. Yeah, that is my dream that even if God calls him or even if he grows too old, I feel like maybe the young boys could come and look at this and say, okay, this was the guy in Saza who rode the bicycles to the national level, up to the international level. And like as Masaka Saiho, we could take all our boys, the young ones and the girls that are coming and say, you could be like him. You could be like him, Absolutely. you know? So. That those are my dreams. I feel like because in Uganda we usually don't keep records of people who have done quite a lot, you know. So this is now why we are compiling anything that we can see about these boys to remain with us, so that the next generation can look at this. You answered my next question, which was kind of your dreams and aspirations. So yeah, um, that's amazing. Um, I don't even. I don't have any more questions. Did Did you have something you want to add? Do you have other stuff you want to talk about? Anything you want? This is your platform. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I wanted to talk about cycling and disability. Yes, please. Um. Um. I really. I, I watch videos of guys in Paralympics and uh, guys who are participating in a number of things. Um. Like the girls, um, youth with disability are facing quite a number of challenges. Um, 
one from the families, from the community they are living in. They haven't got access to education. They haven't got access to employment. Uh, so I want to use this paracycling as um, uh, a bridge uh, between uh, the community and the disability. So we want to show these youth that despite the, the disability they have, is that they can build the community, they can contribute to the community, they can be happy themselves as well. So because the most important thing why we participate in these games is that we want to be happy, we want to see where our passion is. So now because they have limited access to wheelchairs, because they have limited access to so it's also very hard. So when you talk about paracycling and somebody says, what is that? Is it an animal that is living in another <laughs> world? You cannot really tell, you know? So these are some of um, the things I want. We don't have any bikes, uh, um, pala bike, you know, those bikes that they, that they ride like, the, you know? Yeah, like, so the, like the, the trikes or the four-wheelers? Yeah, yeah, like the four-wheelers, so we don't have them. So what we're doing is that we're using... Um, uh, manio tricycles like this but um the the heavy and um so he, the youth can also it needs something that um you know you use less energy but you're working on yourself so that is um, another thing but i also want to promote uh, cycling among the youth with hearing impairment the deaf so we also want to 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 entice them into this game. So um, we haven't had any that uh, has participated in international events because we don't have it. And that, so we want to see that the youth who are male, the youth who are female, the youth who have a disability can start on this. So those are the, the things that we want to build as a massacre cycling. And uh, to see that they, they can engage into this cycling slowly by slowly, the wheelchairs and the like. Uh, so that is um, another side. Uh, there is another part that you asked, what are my inspirations? Mm -hmm. uh, one of my dreams that I want to see, I want to, to see Masaka cycling being talked about all over the world. And if you talk about cycling and Masaka comes, to, I want to... Um, to make sure that um, in Masaka, which is becoming a city, uh, we lobby for the walkways for bicycles because it's not there. So we compete with the cars. So if they knock your boy out, nobody cares. Mm. So I want to see that we have clear demarcations uh, where we'll, um, cyclists could ride with ease. So my third thing is that I want to make cycling as um, a fun game uh, where everyone can ride a bicycle. Whether you're going to work, whether you're going to church, whether you have an evening walk, because here people are using a lot of motorcycles, a lot of cars. So they don't, um, they don't ride, very few ride, mm -hmm. okay? So uh, we want to lead the process of where people are interested in riding not as a, um, a game to compete, but for them to do exercise, to keep them healthy, you know, 
as something as for fun and even the, the young children to love cycling. So um, that is what we, 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 we those are my, some of my inspirations to, to look at. And then also to, to see big support coming in to support our innovations, both locally and internationally, to see that we, 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 we pull out many talents. Um, if you look at where these boys come from, where they stay, what they do, what they eat, you wonder how they win the races. Mm. So <laughs> you, you just want to then you know that they have a talent. You know, so if somebody gives that energy, gives that passion, gives that energy, we want to uplift that together. So those are some of the things I really dream about to see. Even if they take 20 years or something, somebody will take over from me or even me when I'm still around. I think those are some of the things that Aurora speak about. And um, I also want to to encourage transparency and accountability to to my to my club and even to the club members, um, even the social accountability aspect. So we want to see uh, how the club is giving back to the community, uh, not just mentioning about cycling club, but what it does to contribute to the community. So. All these are the things that I'm, I'm building to have a better foundation into uh, the club and then the future that I want to see for Masaka Cycling Club. Well, yeah. Miro, that's pretty amazing. I, I think um, I don't even know what to say. I, I just I'm so I'm so proud to have to have kind of stumbled in and and, and proud to be able to help you and um, very honored that we could connect today and talk about it and uh, yeah. feel very very privilege and fortunate and privilege to have met you and had a conversation thank with you, you today and uh thank you it sounds like you've got a lot of people uh working in your best interest and um you. you can count on me to to try to do some of that work as well so i'm gonna i'm gonna try to reach out to some of my contacts to see um if there's any way we can help you with gear or uh food or you know because those boys like if they're going to be riding at elite levels they're going to need they're going to need good nutrition, right? I think that's so important. Exactly. So, uh, exactly. So let's uh, let's see what we can do, and uh, let's let's all work together to make Masaka Cycling Club a success. Thank you, Steve. Oh, it's my pleasure. So I want to say thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving cycling as a sport itself. Thank you. That's so great. And uh, thank you for getting in touch with us. And mm -hmm. thank you for connecting with Ross and Kato and everyone and even your family. And um, please get back to us if you have um, any questions and ideas, anything, um, because we are in a learning process. Mm -hmm. uh, whatever we are doing is that we are building it on our own. So we are beginning from scratch. So we don't have somebody we look to. So I spend most of the time on the net to read about cycling, to read about what other people are doing. And I also encourage my administrator to do the same. And uh, so there's a difference between actually going on the road and ride, but even to administer mm. that riding itself. <laughs> itself. So they're too different. So my focus is that I'm not going to go on the road, but how do I administer to move this ahead and then see so that the boys continue feeling proud of this. And I don't, that's why I also have committee. I don't want that if Miro steps down, the club steps down with him. No, I want it to, 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 to continue uh, with uh, what we are doing and what we are dreaming as the committee.
Awesome. Well, thanks, Miro, for your time today. And uh, definitely keep me in, in the loop if you have if you have please. any questions uh, or if there's something that you think that I can help with, please just reach out and um, and uh, I'll stay connected for sure. And, and let's let's just work together and make this a success. Please. Thank right. you so much. Thank you for your yeah. time and enjoy the rest of the day. Go have some dinner, please. Enjoy your, your, your morning <laughs> and have fun as well. I will. Stay safe. Much love, brother. Thank you. All right. OK. Bye bye. Bye. I want to thank Miro again for his time and thank all of you for tuning in. Really important project, and I hope uh, after listening to this, you feel compelled to maybe uh, look more into it and see what you can do to help. Um, I think that uh, seeing the joy in uh, the kids' faces who are riding these bikes just says it all, especially in a developing country like that. gives these kids some hope. And uh, I imagine, given what I've heard about the cycling talent in Uganda, we might see more from this team in the future. So, um, and they need our help. So let's help them out. And uh, I'm just going to send you guys some plugs here. Instagram at Masaka Cycling Club. Uh, Ross Bridge manages that page on Facebook. The Masaka Cycling Club Uganda. That's Miro. He manages that page. Uh, on YouTube, you can find information at the Hidden Athlete Project. Head on over there and check out the videos and um, the donor page, which can be found over at the hiddenathlete.com.au slash masaka-cycling-club. And uh, every dollar counts. So uh, head on over there, see what you think and give what you can. Um, and uh, yeah, let's help this team out. I want to thank you guys again for tuning in. And if you want to reach out to me, you can. You can send me an email to myback40podcast at gmail.com. Well, I hope that this podcast found you well, and I hope uh, you and yours are still healthy, and I hope you're getting out there and having some fun, and uh, I'm going to say goodbye, maybe go for a ride. So until next time, keep the rubber side down. <laughs>